Okay, gentlemen, the challenge was accepted. The days have come and gone. What were your step counts, Tom? Infocom must have treated you pretty, pretty poorly in terms of steps. Am I wrong? Y you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I was extremely efficient, which is how I'm going to categorize it. Uh, I'm going to say that the winner of this contest is the one who took the least steps. How do you like that? <laughs> For those of you who might not have heard the last episode before uh, Infocom, we had a, a little challenge that we issued to ourselves to see who would uh, come home with the most steps. And the assumption was that that person was, quote-unquote, the busiest during the show. But as Tom pointed out, you know, that isn't necessarily the case. But personally, I'd rather be more efficient with my steps, at least in theory. Right. So a crafty veteran will plan his meetings so that they don't have to walk very far apart, and that is probably how I'm going to... Um, characterize myself as doing really well in this contest. Okay, so what was your grand total again? All right, well, what are we talking about? Day by day? Yeah, Wednesday. All right, Wednesday. Um, distance, 6.1 miles. <laughs> How many steps in total? I'm curious. 15,063. Okay, Craig, Wednesday? Wednesday, I was about 8.4 miles. Oh. And 18,400 steps. Maybe a little less efficient with your planning. Apparently so. But that's okay, because I think I was the least efficient with my planning, even though I didn't think I was. Nine miles at 20,943 steps. Wow. Okay. Well, you win. I guess, question mark. <laughs> so who, how do we determine who won this? Do I win because I'm um, a crafty veteran, or do you win because you walked more? Uh, I, I think that we should both get gold stars and call it a day. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't. I don't think our uh, corporate overlords are going to be like looking over, you know, panning through this podcast, saying, "Okay, which one of them was walking the most?" Well, we have to give them a raise. Well, we all have bonus structures based on how many steps we take at these shows. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe there are some integrators out there who send employees there and saying, "Okay, I better I better look at your phone when you get back." Hmm. That's true. That would be a good idea. You know, for people that... I think we're think about to become the least popular media outlet covering this industry if you say that's a good idea, Tom. But you said, you know, like, you send people to Las Vegas to go, you know, to learn about companies and they end up uh, learning about Blackjack instead for three days. Mm -hmm. You could find out by looking at their phone. <laughs> so, anyway, guys, I did want to talk to you about what you saw on the show floor. Uh, I don't think you were paying attention to your step counters then. What were you paying attention to? What did you see on the show floor that impressed you or otherwise made you think, huh, that was a bit different from last year? Well, I guess I, I'll go first. And, you know, one of the things I always sort of preface my analysis of trade shows with is the fact that I go from meeting to meeting to meeting for the entire trade show. Right. So at night, you know, when you're out, you know, at an event and people come up to you and they're like, well, you know, what are the big trends at the show? Well, I don't know. You're, I'm the last person you should ask because I have tunnel vision during the show, unfortunately. But that's the nature of what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to go to these meetings and they're really valuable meetings, but it doesn't allow you to have sort of that broad view of the show. So that's my preface, right? But my takeaways from the show, I feel like, you know, there was a real uh, maturation of the collaboration category. Like there was a time, um, not even that long ago, when you know people were talking about this category. Like, oh, 
we should be getting more into collaboration. We should be providing more collaboration solutions. But that has definitely changed given the nature of the way virtually every customer of every integration firm conducts their business and you know in deals with employees and installs work culture and, and meeting culture. Collaboration is part of every environment. So every integration uh, company's um, conversations with customers are going to involve collaborations. So it's not so much about like, you know, what is this new collaboration solution? Now it's about how does it fit into the ecosystem that we're trying to deliver to our customers? So does it allow us to do other things besides allow them to wirelessly present or whatever? Does it allow them to, you know, gather business information? And does it allow the integration firm to sort of increase its value that it's delivering to the customer? And does it fit in with the other solutions that the integration firm is also putting on the network? And to me, that was one of the trends I saw at the show. How about you, Craig? Um, I'm going to go away from the technology and, and talk more about kind of the, the makeup of the people who were there. Um, there was a, a record number of registered registered attendees uh, more than more than 44,000 at the show and as part of that um, there was about 40% of those were uh, were new pe- new attendees from mm-hmm. first timers at, at Infocom which which I think is an amazingly high number but it, it kind of shows the the direction I think that the show is going um, in addition to having you know integrators now uh, showing in in booths and on, on top of manufacturers is there's a lot of young people that are that are coming to the show um, I met with and, and interviewed several of uh, the young people who were at the show and just talking to them about their experience and you know why they wanted to see see what was going on at infocom you know what what kind of career they they see for themselves in, in AB that sort of thing so that's that's kind of the thing that, that stood out to me I, I didn't have you know a particular type of technology or a category or anything that that stood out, but but just just kind of the the general attendance and and the the, the makeup of the people that were there, I, I thought was kind of an, an interesting takeaway. Just to sort of follow up on that, do you, so there were so many first timers at the show. Do you think that there's a correlation to you know those integrators who are trying to increase their presence at the show, bringing more customers, so those customers are first timers? I I do think that's part of it. I I think the last couple of years, Avixa has made kind of a concerted effort to make sure that there are more end users, but but I think the integrators are also doing it and you know kind of walking them around to say. This is the type of stuff you know that, that we want to work with you on, and you know these are the kind of solutions that we can provide for you if you give us a chance. That that sort of thing. I I think you know kind of it's it's you know kind of all in one solution. It's you know one stop shopping type of thing. I I think it's I, I think it's becoming more of a you know it, having the integrator showing off what can happen for the customers in, in addition to you know the types of products that they use. Right, because there were more integrator booths there this year, right? Yep, there's there was a handful of them this year, and and I think we're going to see even more of them next year in Las Vegas because the the few that did have them this year seem to you know be happy with with how the the results are going. So I, I assume they'll they'll be back for more. And I I talked to a couple of integrators about you know whether it's something that they might want to do as well, and they they said they're they're at least thinking about it, and we'll talk to the ones who were were there to you know kind of gauge their success so so I think we we definitely could see more next year. AVI Systems had a big presence for their first um, Infocom exhibit I mean that, that, 
they didn't go in, they didn't dip their toes in the water. They had a pretty big booth. No, that's that's for sure. Um, AVI SPL has been there for the last, I don't know how many years, but AVI Systems was there for the first time. Whitlock was apparently there for the second time. I, I didn't remember seeing them last year, but I guess they were there. They partnered up with Herman Miller, which is a, a large uh, furniture and, and office furnishings company. and, and, and Part of that is to get themselves in the door and in talking to uh, the clients a little bit sooner in the conversation because you know the technology usually kind of takes a back seat to you know office chairs and furniture and stuff like that when when people are trying to figure those those kind of things out so Whitlock has kind of an interesting partnership going on there with with Herman Miller I I, I just think that it went well enough that you know you'll you'll definitely see more integrators coming next year what about you adam what was um, your what were your big takeaways from the show well this is just me or did you guys notice a ton of video game oriented material like just you know booths that you know they didn't necessarily make anything related to video games but they made you know displays or they made uh, mounts or they made uh, any kind of visual solution and then just happen to have some video games set up next to it. Yeah, no, that's great that you brought that up. I noticed that a lot. I noticed it during the show and then when I was watching videos that I took after the show, I, I would be like, oh, I didn't even notice that they had a video game or an eSports vignette in their booth. But yeah, it, it seemed like eSports was like cropping up everywhere at the show. That was interesting. I mean, and we, we talked last year on on commercialintegrator.com about like the emerging esports market for integrators with large venue experience anyway and like how they can understand the differences between what a normal large venue might need versus what an esports experience center might need. But uh, I, I think it's a mistake just to view this as one opportunity, right? Because I, it certainly is if you have the capacity to serve a large center like that you absolutely should try to if that's like your 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 bag so to speak but um it's more than just understanding esports as an arena another another type of market it's also this is very much an indicator of the future of consumption and it's not really the future anymore uh, people watch videos on their phones a lot more than they ever used to and I think that they will continue to do so. And I also think, you know, the esports opportunity, like, I, I feel like the industry looks at it the wrong way, you know, because I feel like everybody thinks, like, okay, well, I heard about this esports venue in Dallas. That thing's awesome, but that's not the type of project that I work on. Or, you know, like, I heard about this thing they're doing with the Philadelphia Fusion. That seems kind of crazy, but that's also not you know, the type of project that I work on. I think people are thinking of it all wrong if that's the way they're thinking of it. Right. I think they ought to be thinking about like, okay, well, what does my corporate client need in mm -hmm. terms of an of a esports solution? And I know like, you know, to from a certain perspective, that sounds odd, but you know, you know, in these corporate campuses that sometimes you know, try to, you know, keep their employees happy and entertained while they're at work and give them an opportunity to let off some steam, you know, during a long work day. You know, an esports station makes just as much sense as a ping pong table ever made. Right. And the same thing, and it's much more so at universities where, you know, students have a lot of free time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're studying, but they have a lot of free time. They live there. And, you know, just like intramural sports was a big deal when I went to school, and I'm sure it still is now. 
you know, esports makes a lot of sense on college campuses, and you know that's not that's not a that's not a large venue project. That's no. an opportunity to outfit a room just like you would at you know at at a, another type of commercial integration application. So I hope that the industry looks at it that way going forward and doesn't let that opportunity slip by. Yeah, like eight years ago when I was still like going through the motions at Westfield State University, they had um, no disrespect to my school, but like, you know, they were trying to do some video game tournaments and stuff and it looked bad because it was just like a, a, a consumer level projector set up. I mean, not even a, a, a prosumer grade projector, just a consumer grade small thing does not handle ambient light well and guess what's in a uh, spare room at a college library lots of ambient light you'd be surprised so it looked horrible that's not really the top tier that's not even a medium tier uh, look or solution that you want to advertise yourself as being able to provide I, I think it kind of represents a new way of thinking when, when it comes to, to AV it's um, a lot of people are kind of turned off at the, at the idea of esports and maybe don't understand it, don't know what it's all about. But I think it's just about thinking about what they do in in different ways and and finding different opportunities that that maybe didn't other, didn't exist before. And I'm sure by the, this time next year we'll be talking about you know something that, that we're not even thinking about as, as 